We thank you for your word, and Father, we thank you as we come uh, to your word, Father, that you speak to us, that you reveal your word to us by your spirit, and Father, we depend entirely upon your spirit, Father, for revelation, insight, wisdom, and, and understanding, and Father, we thank you that you will grant it to us because we asked you for it, and so we thank you for that in Jesus' name, amen. So uh, we started uh, teaching a little bit about uh, uh, Philippians, you know, we just kind of uh, mentioned a little bit about how Paul started the book, you know, how many times he visited the uh, Philippian church there, and uh, apparently even when he was not there, they were a big supporter of his ministry and provided for him uh, and um, uh, sent things to him uh, in the area, of, uh, typically in finances, but they probably sent other things to him as well, uh, and um, uh, and so he wrote this letter to them really as a thank you for all the support. So it's four chapters. So it's not a long book there, but it's a much longer letter than I would write to somebody. Would you write a letter that long, right? Many pages long like that uh, and thanking them. And so, of course, Paul being Paul, he can't just say thank you and that's enough, right? He, there's no way Paul could send a, a, a you know, postcard saying thank you, right? He's got to write a, a whole book there. So, um, But it was a valuable book and, and, um, and so... Uh, but one of the things in the book that he, that he talks uh, some about is suffering. And so I thought it'd be helpful to kind of lay a foundation of, of suffering before we get into the actual book of uh, Philippians, because uh, we could do it as we started there. But uh, I think it's a big enough subject that it'd be helpful for us to get uh, heads kind of wrapped around that, because, you know, a lot of times in the Christian world, you hear people talk about the suffering. And many times it's, you know, I'm suffering for the Lord. And then you find out, well, what kind of suffering are you doing? Well, you know, I'm sick all the time. Well, that's their way of suffering for the Lord. Um, or, you know, somebody is in, in abject poverty. That's how they suffer for the Lord. Or somebody is, you know, just being picked on just, you know, because, not because they're Christian, but just, you know, uh, socially they're, they're, you know, outcasts and, um, and they're suffering for the Lord. And, uh, and, um, and then, of course, other people, you know, you talk to them and, they said they're suffering for the Lord. You get more details. You find that's eh, pretty much that self-inflicted right there, you know. Uh, but there, there are some people who have the kind of mentality that unless they're suffering, they're not spiritual. And, they, and it's kind of a twisted, weird mentality, but it's almost like everything in my life has to be bad so I can show how spiritual I am. And, and there's, you know, there is a, a, you know, I have met many Christians like that over the years. And so it's unfortunate that they think that way. Uh, there is suffering that Christians go through, but you know, it's like many topics. This particular topic of suffering is actually well documented in the New Testament about the kind of suffering that a Christian would expect to be uh, involved with. And uh, and then, obviously, since it's not other things are covered, then, for example, uh, we all know that sickness and disease is not something to suffer for for the benefit of the Lord or for anybody around you. Uh, we know that, but a lot of Christians don't know that. But there's nothing in the New Testament that would imply or even say outright that if you're sick, you're sick for the benefit of the Lord, for his glory, because we know from the examples, especially in the Gospels, that, that any time God was given glory in relation to sickness, it was only when they were healed, right? So he was never, God never got glory when somebody became sick, and God never got glory when somebody was left sick. God only got the glory when, when they were healed. And so, you know, if people are saying, well, I'm giving God glory, you know, um, by my life as suffering and sickness and disease, and, and they may think that, but, you, could, but you, know, you could tell them, well, you know, all the examples in the Bible, they gave God glory when they were healed, amen? Uh, and, you know, we're not trying to make people, we're not trying to make people feel bad because they're sick, 
But a lot of people are stuck where they're at because they don't have any faith to move beyond that. They assume that where they are is where they should be. And if they're in sickness and disease, they shouldn't be there. They should be healed by the will of God, by the plan of God. Uh, and and there are many Christians who don't, ever, who don't even think that way. They don't know that that's an option, right? You mean healing is for us today. Uh, they don't know that, you know. Uh, and so, so I thought it'd be helpful to uh, just go through some scriptures and actually the, quite a bit. So I don't know how long we'll spend on this, but we'll spend enough time to cover the, de- the, the topic in detail because I want you all to make sure that, that uh, if there's any suffering that you can look at, then they say, well, that right there, you know, there's nothing I can do about that. But all this other suffering, I can do something about, right? And so is there, is there a list like that? And, and so let's find out what the Word of God says. So let's turn into our Bibles to the book of Hebrews chapter 5 and we'll get started there. And so, uh, Colossians and Titus and Hebrews. So Hebrews chapter 5, this is talking about uh, the Lord Jesus. Um, It says um, in verse 8 here, let's just start there. Uh, It says, though he, talking about Jesus, were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. So there there is uh, suffering that Jesus went through. And so, uh, and, you know, it did help him in the sense that, um, you know, uh, well, let's find out what the suffering is first, and then we'll find out why this verse is, is helpful to us. Um, and, of course, in verse 9 says, and being made perfect, so he, was, he learned obedience and being made perfect, he, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. And that word perfect doesn't mean that prior to that he was lacking in something. It just means that he matured, right? He became uh, mature in the sense of knowing how to go through this because when he was in heaven did he suffer any in heaven did suffer any in heaven so when he was on the earth then um, there were things that he needed to learn and he learned them uh, as a result of suffering and uh, and we got to take this with a little bit of a grain of salt that some people think they can only learn by difficult times and you know that's not true because um you can read somebody else's going through get difficult times, find out what they learned, and just learn it without going through the same things they went through, can't you? Uh, and so it's not always necessary, you know, for you to suffer in some way in order to learn something, uh, because uh, especially if it's something that you're suffering for that uh, you ought not be suffering for, right? Uh, and so you got to be careful because some people think the only way they can learn something is 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 to go through the school of hard knocks. And I remember one minister said. Unless, you know, when you start the ministry, unless you eat oranges and are dirt poor the first year of the ministry, God can never use you. Uh, and I'm thinking, well, that, you know, that's really sad that, uh, um, I mean, that's suffering, right? But it's suffering in poverty. Uh, are we supposed to suffer in poverty? You know, we'll find out what the Word of God says about it. You know, the quick answer is no, of course. But in their mind, that unless you suffered in poverty and lack as a minister, God can never use you. Uh, and yet, how many days did Jesus go hungry in his ministry? He never went hungry, I mean, ever in his ministry, right? I mean, surely if he can feed the 5,000, he could feed himself, right? Uh, and so, Jesus never went hungry in his ministry. Did he suffer? He did, because the Bible says he suffered. So we need, we need to find that out. So, but a lot of, even in a ministry, sometimes people think, you know, unless you do certain things, that you're not qualified to be in the ministry, and, and um, you know, it's just saying that that means really that Jesus was unqualified to be in the ministry right? because he didn't suffer a lot of those things. 
So let's turn over to 1 Peter. So 1 Peter's got uh, quite a few things to say about that. It's 1 Peter chapter 2. So uh, 1 Peter chapter 2. Um, let's start in verse uh, 9 here. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 9. It says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Um, you know, this should help you in your thought life about who you are, right? You are a chosen, God chose you, right? You're a chosen generation. You, you right now are a royal priesthood. You are royalty. You're of, of the lineage of kings and priests, right? So royal priesthood. So not just priesthood, but kingly priesthood. That's who you are right now. Uh, and that should help you in your, uh, in your understanding about who you are in the Lord, right? So when somebody tells you you're of no value, funny uh my my bible says i am of royal priesthood right kingly priesthood uh and who did you say you were um you know so a uh, holy nation of peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light which in time past you were not a people but are now the people of god which are not or which had not obtained mercy but now have obtained mercy dearly beloved i I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. We've read that verse many times here, right? Having your conversation or manner of life honest among the Gentiles. Well, uh, that where, uh, whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may, be your, uh, they, may, they may by your good works, which they shall behold glorify God in the day of visitation. So, there's a lot of information packed in that verse 12 there, right? Uh, having your conversation honest among Gentiles. So your manner of life, right? How you live, be honest uh, among the Gentiles. So from those outside the church, when they look at you, what do they see, right? Do they see an honest lifestyle, an honor manner of life, honest manner of life, or do they see the same thing everybody else does, right? Uh, and I remember one time years ago, you know, when I was with my pastor, there was a fellow there that uh, said, you know, God's called me to the ministry and I want to be ordained, you know, in the ministry. And so uh, they, he'd asked the pastor to do that. So my pastor said, well, let's get together with a few of the men in the church and we'll just let's just have a conversation. Right. Just kind of see where you're at, and what you want to do. And uh, and so my pastor asked me, among other men, to go into this meeting. And so we were just talking and, and you know, we just asking questions, you know, like, what are you called to do? You know, why do you believe you're called to do that? You know, and. Uh, and, you know, I thought about this verse and other verses like this that, you know, provide things honest inside of all men is another verse, right? Uh, and so, so I asked the question. I said, well, I know, you know, I know in general that you do this kind of work. They were kind of a contractor type. You know, they painted and did repairs and that sort of thing, you know. Um, and, and so I said, um, you do that kind of work. So uh, do, do you have a good report among all the people that you work for? Right. So do they say that you do honest work? Do they say that you do the good work? Do they, you know, do you uh, they said, do you owe anybody any money in those areas? You know, that sort of thing. And um, because this is what it says, right? Uh, you should uh, live in such a way that your manner of life is honest among the Gentiles. Amen. So th th that was an unreasonable question. Right. But they got so offended because I asked the question. Well, you know, usually if you throw a rock, you know, who's the first one to bark? the one that you hit right the rock right and so you know i mean uh, i wasn't trying to it wasn't a gotcha question you know oh i got you now you know i wasn't trying to make him look bad uh it was a valid question right uh and so 
uh, in fact, many years later, you know, this is after my pastor died and we'd started our church, uh, we had contacted uh, Dr. Dufresne's ministry. And, um, um, you know, when we left the church, the Lord said, it's time to go, right? He told me other things about the church, but he, but he said it was time to go. And so we left. We didn't, you know, we didn't rip the church apart. We didn't uh, grab a bunch of sheep on the way out the door and, and steal them or anything like that. You know, in fact, we had people call us and they said, hey, I don't want to see you. You stay at your church, right? Because I left the church, but that doesn't mean you should leave the church. Uh, I'm doing it by the Spirit of God, and I don't want you doing it because I did it. That would be foolish, right, to do something just because somebody else did it. Uh, and so I made sure that we didn't do any of that kind of thing, right? We weren't sheep thieves or anything like that uh, because I have to answer to the Lord Jesus someday. And so I was talking to uh, Dr. Dufresne, and he said, and he asked me a question, valid question. He said, when you left the church, did you leave uh, the right way because a lot of people will leave and they walk at the door and say I'm going to steal 20 of your sheep and go start my own church well that's stealing right I mean if you're at a shepherd's you know at a farm or something and you go man I've always wanted sheep I'm just going to take yours I mean would people do that you know not in the real world but in church they do it all the time don't they split a church right down the middle and then they preach to them hey walk in love you know hey be honest inside of all men and yet how can you do that if you just hurt that other church, right? Because when you take all those people, you hurt that church, didn't you? They've got finances and they've got people and thing, doing things and now you've hurt that church because God called you to start your church, you know? Well, he may have God called you, but he didn't call you to do it that way, right? So it was a valid question. Dr. Frank asked me the question, did you leave the right way? And so, I, and I kind of chuckled. I said, well, I said, Dr. Frank, as far as me and Jesus are concerned, I said, I left the right way. I didn't do anything. I didn't call anybody. I didn't, you know, I didn't even, uh, I mean, I called the pastor's wife, you know, because uh, it wasn't, a, they hadn't re- replaced the pastor yet, hadn't put in a pastor to replace my pastor yet. So I called the pastor's wife, known him for years, obviously, and, and I said, hey, we're leaving. And she said, what are, you, are you leaving because you're mad? No. Are you leaving because you don't like how things are being run? No. Are you leaving because somebody said something to you? No. She never asked me why I left, but you just kept asking, you know, did I leave for these reasons? And so the answer was no, 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 no. And, but at the end of the day, I left because the Spirit of God said to go, right? It was simple as that. Not, you know, it wasn't like, well, I'm tired of this. You know, I can't stand how they're running things. What they're doing is wrong. I'm just out of here. Well, that's, that's, all those may be true. But if the Spirit of God doesn't tell you to go, why are you leaving, right? And so we were there for many months before we left. So um, now, if you ask other people's opinion, you would get a different opinion, right? I mean, one person said, well, you know, they talk about my church. Well, that's an unclean church. <laughs> they called my church an unclean church and like, I mean, we have people come clean. Is that, is there something, was there some cobwebs or something we missed or something? I mean, I know what they meant by unclean, you know, that was somehow we were spiritually soiled, you know, and is that a, is that a job description that you can judge that in the church? I mean, are you qualified to judge what that church is, good or bad over there? Uh, I know another time that uh, it was after my pastor died and somebody left the church. And so they went down the street, started another church, Right. And um, I don't know if they, they didn't call me. I don't know if they called anybody else. I don't know what they did. You know, none of my business, right? They left the church, starting their own church. I'll leave it alone. None of my business, right? And so someone said, well, you need to go down there and sit in one of those service and just, you know, basically give them the, 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 uh, the, uh, the evil eye, right? Uh, and, and I looked at them and I said, there's no way that I'm going to do that. Because if I go down there, almighty and, and all puffed up and I'm going to sit in that service and I'm going to stare at them the whole time. Well, number one, I don't know if they're there in the, by the will of God or not. I'm not their judge, you know. 
Number two, what if somebody else is in that service and God from before the foundation of the world ordained that they would be in that service and that that minister would, would say the exact right thing that person needed to get them over the line to become born again and they're, and they're prepared to receive salvation but because I'm giving the minister, you know, the stink eye, uh, the, he's all flustered and he doesn't say the right thing and now that person misses their opportunity, die tomorrow. I mean, you know, it's a completely hypothetical situation but still, what if? What if that person misses heaven because I'm in that service causing difficulty for the minister? Uh, and, 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 and so, because again, I stand before the Lord Jesus someday, right? I'm not going to stand before my pastor's wife. I'm not going to stand before my pastor. I'm not gonna, you know, I'll greet them all and when I get to heaven, love, love, uh, be glad to see them all. But I don't answer to any of them. I answer to the Lord Jesus. You answer to the Lord Jesus, right? That should put fear in you in the sense of, you want to do right all the time, amen, and, and consider your actions before you do them. And so I said, I'm not doing that. Well, no, I didn't mean nothing by it. But you know what? They just went to somebody else in the church and had them go down there and give them the stink eye, right? And, and of course, that person was always one who just, uh, you know, uh, they were a yes man. And for me, I got in a lot of trouble over the years because I'm not a yes man. I'm a yes man to God. But if you ask me to do something that would violate either my conscience or the word of God or the spirit of God, the answer is no. The answer is just no. Well, then I don't like you. That's not my problem. Well, you're not my favorite anymore. That's not my problem. I'm always the Lord's favorite. And that's caused me grief over the years. I mean, lots of grief over the years. But I would rather have grief from men than grief from the Lord Jesus. Because, you know, remember what he said in Romans chapter 14, who art thou that judgest another man's servant? See, if I went down to that church and gave them the evil eye, I would be judging them as you're wrong. And I'm going to stand in judgment over you that you're wrong in this ministry and you should shut this ministry down. Is that a position in the body of Christ? Does somebody hold that position? You know, people who think think that about uh, me in this ministry, well, you should shut that church down. Is that a position in the body of Christ? I mean, we're all on the same team, right? Uh, And so, uh, so anyway... Uh, he said, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles. That's kind of a big deal, right? You know, when, when we, uh, of course, when we uh, started the church here in Dayton, you know, uh, we had to do some renovations pretty quick because we needed some upgrades in the bathroom and uh, to support people, right? And so uh, when we contracted our, contacted our contractor, right, we said, well, hey, you know, come and just give us a quote what's going to be to do this. And, and at first they were, well, uh, how much do you think this is going to cost? Right. Uh, and I and I gave him a number. He goes, well, that's that's about right. You know, that's about what's going to cost. Right. And really, ever since, uh, I mean, I think just about every, if not all of the renovations we've done, you know, I was within the ballpark of just in my heart what the number should be. Right. Uh, and uh, so they did the work and then, you know, and, and then we paid him. And, and then uh, not long after that, we started talking about other things to do. And, and he said, well, he said, you know, I was really hesitant at first to do that work for you guys because I don't much like doing work for churches. And why is that? He said, well, because sometimes either they don't pay or they're slow to pay or they try to make me feel bad for getting paid. Well, this is the Lord's work. You know, you should do it for free. Okay, I I didn't know that he was a volunteer for your church, right? I mean, you know, nothing wrong with having volunteers in church, right? We volunteer around here, do some things that we could get people to pay for. Nothing wrong with that. But, you know, if it's above our ability, then anything wrong with paying for, the, for that work? And he said, you know, I just don't like doing work for churches, you know. And I've talked to other contractors. And they don't like doing work for churches, you know, because 
they've been stiffed. You know, they get the work done and, and the pastor go, you know, I don't like the way you did that. I'm not paying you. Just lie, you know, not because they really didn't like it, but because they just didn't either have the money or didn't want to pay. Well, you know, I, my, the last time I checked, the Lord Jesus walks on the streets of gold. How is it that we don't have the money to do what we're supposed to do and we're called to do? You know, you might want to check up on if you're really called to do it. Now, again, I'm not your judge, but if you never have any money to do what you're called to do, I want to check up if you're really called to do that because if the blessings should come from the Lord, right? Uh, and so uh, uh, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles. So you know how many people we owe around here? No one. You know how many bills are outstanding that, we, that we're not paying? None. In fact, years ago, I got a call when we were still in Cookville. I got a call from the landlord said, hey, um, um, we didn't get your rent last month. And... Um, uh, we're just checking because you're always so on time, right? You're never late with your rent, right? Uh, and so I said, well, let me check because, you know, I don't have time to do all that. I put it in a computer and say, do it forever, right? Well, for whatever reason, I said, do it until like March. And then it stopped. You know, why did I do that? I don't know why. Uh, I don't know if there's a reason for that. Um, I, my guess is I fat fingered it and just went on. And I said, no problem. It's in the mail, right? Uh, it'll be in the mail. Uh, and so, in fact, when we did, um, uh, when we had some contract work done on the other building there, uh, it, we had to get another contractor for part of it. And uh, they sent me the bill. I paid the bill that day. But, you know, I paid online, so it takes X number of days to get there. Well, after about five days, they, they called up the main contractors. Hey, where's our money? And so he checked with me. Hey, you know, he's asking where his money is. And I checked. I said, it's in the mail, you know. Uh, and that's really all I had to tell him because we worked long enough together that uh, he knows if I say it's in the mail, it's in the mail, right? Because uh, if I cheat you, then how are you ever going to receive anything from the Lord, right, from me? Uh, what else? If I cheat you out of money, what else, what would you ever hear from me? You know, if, if, if I came up and said God spoke to me and gave me this giant revelation, be like, eh, probably not. I mean, you wouldn't believe it, would you? Because he'd be like, well, you're a liar, cheating thief. You know, why, why wouldn't you lie and cheat and thief to make yourself look good from the Lord, right? I mean, uh, and so I don't know, you know. Again, none of my business what other people do. But my Bible says that I need to have my manner of life honest among the Gentiles. That whereas they speak against you as evildoers, so uh, that they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. So it is okay to uh, let people see your good works, right? Remember Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they see your good works, right? That they may glorify me. So if your good works are bringing glory to God, then fine. If your good works are bringing glory to you, you might want to check up on um, what your goal in life is, right? Uh, but, uh, but see, uh, there are people who say every church ought to be burned down, right? And they, they believe it. Every church ought to be shut down. They're a waste of time. But see, the reason I say that because they haven't met me yet. And they haven't met you either, right? Uh, because if they met you or they met me, they'd be like, you know, maybe there's something to that Christianity, right? Because you guys are, are honest in the sight of all men, right? I'm going to do things honest in the sight of all men. So maybe they have that opinion because they haven't met me yet. They haven't met this church yet. Uh, and so, uh, so they may speak evil against you as evildoers. Now, you're not an evildoer, but they're going to say, well, you know, all, all they are is in it for the money. You ever hear people that say that about ministers? I mean, 
you know, I have walked away from so much money to do, to do the ministry, right? Uh, and uh, no problem at all. Glad to do it. Do it all again tomorrow, right? Uh, and so uh, you remember the, the one, uh, uh, it was around Christmas time, right? And the Lord spoke to us during the service and said, just give away the whole offering away. Remember we did that? Uh, uh, that's been a few years ago now. Um, and, and my pastor did it uh, many times over the 20 years that I was with him. He did that many times. And, um, and, you know, I didn't think anything about it because the Lord says to do it. Just give it away. It's just money, right? More money tomorrow, right? I mean, if we're running money, we'll go home and print some more, right? Uh, not really, you know, any, any FBI agents watching, we're not really printing money. But I guess it's not FBI. It's the Secret Service. They're involved with uh, uh, counterfeit money. But, uh, and now Facebook might be flagging that, you know, as a violation of some community standards by talking about printing money, right? So whatever. Who cares? We've got to move on, right? Uh, and so... Uh, but then uh, more than one person came to me and said, you know, we've never seen that in a church before. And I'm thinking, um, you know, uh, in, in fact, I was talking to Brother Randy about this uh, a while back when he was here. Uh, we were just talking and I said, you know, just talking about different things that we give away. Um, I said, you know, uh, my goal is to be a blessing to the people more than they're a blessing to me. And of course, a big part of that is by preaching to, you, you know, uh, three times a week. Uh, that way I can be a bigger blessing to you. You know, my goal is to be a bigger blessing to you. I'm not saying, I'm not trying to judge it whether it is or not. That's just my goal, right? That's my, my goal always to stay ahead of the crowd. And, and so, you know, I'm going to, if I can, I'm going to give away as many things as I can uh, because I never want this church to be a profit center. You know, I'm not always trying to get a dollar out of your pocket, right? I'm not always trying to get money out of you. Uh, that's not my goal in life uh, because then it becomes all about the money. And I, and I know ministries that, they're under so much pressure that it's always about the money. Everything becomes about the money, right? And part of it is because they've got this machine. They've got so much debt or so many, so many people on salary or, you know, whatever it is. It's such a machine that they, they're kind of compelled to keep the money machine going, right? And you just have to be careful to not allow yourself to get in that position, right? If you can stay with a low amount of debt and, uh, and, and bring in more money than you spend, then you can usually be okay, right? But a lot of times... People overexert their finances and then they get into difficulty there. So, so they may speak evil against you, but uh, eventually by you doing your good works, they're going to glorify God. Uh, now, it may say, it says glorify God in the day of visitation. So it may take a while, right, before they recognize it. But, you know, some, at some point they will recognize and go, you know, that church was all right, right? Uh, and so, and then he goes on to say in verse 13, he says, submit yourself to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. So now, of course, we could spend a, a long time, right, getting into all kinds of politics here, right? Uh, we're not going to do all that, but uh, this is talking about natural authorities, right? Uh, in this case, king or governors, right? Um, uh, and so either the local leadership or the national leadership, right? So would that apply to our president, right? It would. Would it apply to our governor? Well, let's use the same word governor there. Uh, and so, uh, so the question for us is, is that unlimited? Is that, is that where we obey every ordinance? Is that unlimited? No, there's always a limit that as long as those ordinances line up with the word of God. Right. If they don't line up with the word of God, then you're under no obligation to fulfill them because they're here really, as a, he says, uh, and for the praise of them that do well. They're here to protect those who do well. 
So if they're not doing well and say, well, all you churches, you know, you're no longer allowed to preach about healing or preach about same-sex marriage or preach about, you know, whatever the list of things that we can't preach about, are we obligated to, to do what they say? No. But if they say pay your taxes, are we obligated to pay our taxes? Well, sure we are. Doesn't mean we have to like it, but we know we have to, you know, uh, we're obligated to do it, right? Uh, doesn't mean we can't be like, wow, it'd be nice if they could spend the money. I mean, they want to do like a, what, $3.5 trillion? I mean, that's such a big, you know, we don't even have a concept of how much money that is, right? They keep spending money like a drunken sailor. And as Republican Democrats, everybody's always wanting to spend money like crazy. It's like, you know, the, that has to come from somebody, right? It comes from me and you, right? It, it's, it's not, the, the government's not spending any money. The government's spending your money, right? And really now they're spending your children's money, your great-grandchildren's money, right? I mean, you just had another great-grandchild, right? It's probably their great-grandchild's money is we're spending now, right? But, uh, but if they say we've got to pay our taxes, there's nothing unbiblical about that. We should pay our taxes, right? And, and right now, churches by default are tax-exempt, right? We don't have to pay any, any, um, any kind of uh, taxes, right? So there's no uh, taxes on the money we bring into the church. We don't have to pay taxes on that. And in the state of Tennessee, we can be tax-exempt from sales tax as well. So we're, we're considered a nonprofit organization. But if they change the law tomorrow and say we're going to start taxing churches... I don't care. But they put a lot of churches under because they're, they're, you know, it would only be, you know, whatever percentage it was, right? I don't know what percentage it would be, but whatever the percentage it was, that would push a lot of churches over the brink into bankruptcy, right? Uh, and there are people who want to do that. There's this unfortunate thing called the First Amendment, though, that uh, if they start charging us taxes, then they basically can dictate to the churches what their finance is doing which is essentially making a law regarding religion which is against the first amendment so it's never going to happen right i mean uh, uh, i can't imagine it would happen in my lifetime unless they repeal the first amendment which they're not going to do that either so so anyway that's your civics lesson for the day right uh, so should we uh, do what the kings and the governors tell us to do absolutely right if they say to do it then you should do it uh, he said, then he said, uh, for so is the will of God that with well-doing, you may put the silence to ignorance of foolish men. You know, there are a lot of people who say, I ain't doing it because the government says it to do it. You know, um, then, um, um, uh, yeah, and, and they'll pick out anything, right? You know, uh, any particular law, right? A lot of people say you shouldn't pay, uh, pay taxes at all, right? Uh, and so, again, we're not trying to get into politics there but you know it's covered there in the word of god so basically unless it violates the word of god or violates the spirit of god then you're obligated to do what it says right uh and so uh, now it doesn't mean that if they just have a whim you know like they got all these mandates you know i know they got mandates for for coronavirus shots but they also got other mandates for different things well a mandate's not a law it's just something somebody says we want you to do that well you're not obligated to do that because it's a mandate it's not a law right i mean they can say you've got to do it but you don't really have to do it you know, you're not required to just roll over and do every single thing if it's not legal or if it's just something they say. Um, so, again, you know, we're not trying to have a civics lesson there, but we want to make sure we, we have the right balance that we do what the law says uh, to the best of our ability uh, as long as it doesn't violate uh, the Word of God or the Spirit of God. Amen? Uh, and so, so he says, for so is the will of God. It's the will of God that we follow the instructions of our leadership in the natural world that with well-doing you may put the silence to ignorance of foolish men. So the people that are disobeying that, what does the Bible call it? 
ignorance of foolish men. <laughs> so, well, I ain't paying no, uh, I ain't paying no income tax. You know, I shouldn't have to pay that. They're spending, they're not spending my money right anyway. Well, that may be true, but uh, it's still the law, right? That would be the ignorance of foolish men, right? To say something like that, uh, and see as free, and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as servants of the Lord. So you know, I'm free. I am free to pay my taxes. Right? I choose to do it as an, as an act of my free will. I'm not coerced to do it. I'm not demanded to do it. I do it as a, you know, they don't have to come and knock on my door and say, pay your, t- pay your taxes. Now, for my individual self, I pay my taxes, right? Church, of course, is tax exempt. Um, and so, uh, he's, so I'm free. I do that as a free person, right? Uh, and so I don't use my liberty for a cloak of maliciousness. I, I'm free to do whatever I want to do. Well, that is a cloak of maliciousness, right? You're hiding your maliciousness under the so-called act of freedom when it's not really an act of freedom. You say it is, but it's really an act of maliciousness where you're going to disregard the laws of the land uh, that are not immoral or unethical or anything like that. I mean, just like, you know, now it's the law that uh, same-sex marriage is a law, right? Fine. I mean, none of my business, right? But would I ever marry a same-sex couple? Well, no, because it violates the word of God. And they come in and say, I demand you to use this church to marry this couple. I demand you to marry this couple. <laughs> uh, ain't going to happen, right? Ain't never going to happen. Uh, and I'm not mad about it, you know? I mean, that's the natural laws, right? That's their laws. They want to make those laws. Now, other laws, you know, about you have to have a piece of paper before you're legally married, fine, you know? That piece of paper doesn't mean anything to me because I'm married because I made a vow, right? I'm not married because a man wrote on a piece of paper in fact, when me and Chris went to go get our marriage license, uh, what did she say? Uh, she said, why in the world did anybody want to get married? Didn't what she said? Yeah, I'm sorry for you. And why would anybody ever want to get married? You know, uh, I think she was a bitter old man haters club member, you know. Uh, and so, um, so, you know, we did that because that's the law of the land. You've got to have a marriage certificate, right? A marriage license to be legally married but not spiritually married. We're spiritually married because we made a vow, right? We made a vow before the Lord uh, in, in front of witnesses, and that's when we were technically married, right? So that piece of paper, God doesn't recognize that paper. He recognizes your vow, right? Uh, and so, so, but I did that, right? We did that, uh, Chris and I did that. Uh, but see, if I, if I said, you know, I ain't getting no, you know, no man's going to tell me what to do. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. Well, you're just being malicious, and you're cloaking that, by saying that you're doing it because you're a free person. You're not really free. You're, you're really in bondage to your own maliciousness, to your own carnality, to your own flesh by rejecting the laws of men that are not in violation of the word of God. Amen? Again, you know, and there, is there any uh, word of God that says, thou shalt not get a marriage license? No. But is there a law of God that says, uh, men shall not marry men? There's plenty of them like that, right? So... Uh, so we can do one. And in, in my mind, in my freedom, there's no conflict. I'm perfectly free to go get my marriage license, perfectly free not to marry same-sex people. Not mad about any, any, either one of them. I mean, you know, that's fine, right? And, and as long as they don't make me do it, you know, there's not a fight unless they try to violate the Word of God. And then, then we stand up like Peter says, you know, uh, whether you think we should, should uh, um, uh, obey God or man, you be the judge. We're going to obey God, Right? And so there's no fight in my mind. I'm not picketing the government. Well, you, those laws, you know, laws ain't affecting me, right? I mean, it's a terrible law, and they shouldn't do it. And, and uh, 
it'll open up the country to a judgment at some point if they don't if they don't decide to change some of those things. But I can't change that. Uh, and people that are called to do can change that sometimes. Some some Christians are called to be involved in government uh, policies, and so uh, so that's great. But don't use your uh, liberty to 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 fake maliciousness, right? And uh, are there people that do that every day, right? You ever heard of Facebook? Well, go read Facebook, right? Uh, and it says, honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. You know, uh, you know, we don't have a king, but we do have a president, right? You know, it's, it's funny because I hear people talk about, well, Biden is doing this. He's not Biden. He's President Biden, right? Uh, if, if I can completely disagree with everything he does, and I can still call him President Biden. Why? Because he's the president of this country, right? Duly elected, as far as we know, right? <laughs> and so, was there, I don't know, was I there? I don't know, did I count all the votes? I don't know, as far as I know, he's the elected president of the country, I'm going to accept that, right? Uh, even if I may have different opinions, but I can't, whatever it is, right now, this moment in time, he's the president of this country. And so, to me, he's either Mr. Biden or President Biden. Uh, and you can always tell when people intentionally dishonor somebody. You ever see, you know, you watch these debates, right? And the first thing they do, they, they always try to get the upper hand. First thing they do is, says, uh, well, is it okay if I just call you Joe? You know, and I'd be like, actually, I'm Mr. Biden. Actually, I'm President Biden, you know. And even, I mean, uh, even after these people leave, they're still called, you know, President Biden. You know, they're still called President Obama. You know, that's his title. You know, they usually keep the title of the last position they held. Um, that's honor, right? Esteem them highly. Uh, and you don't have to like everything they do. Uh, but if he's the president, he's the president. Amen. And, and there'd be a whole lot less fighting if we would just honor all men. Right. All the fighting and stuff is because we choose to dishonor people. Uh, you know, it doesn't mean you agree with everything. Right. You're not required to agree with everything, especially if they're evil acts. So obviously. But they are. Uh, he is the president of the United States. He will be Mr. Biden, President Biden, as far as I'm concerned. Right. Uh, and um, he's not Joe. Oh, Joe, you know, oh, Uncle Joe, right? Uh, and, uh, but a lot of people just call him Biden. I heard just, you know, the Christian radio. Well, Biden is doing this. I thought, he is not Biden. He is, he is Mr. Biden to you, buddy. Or President Biden is even better, right? Mr. Biden, I think, is fine, you know, because it's still meant to be honor, right? Uh, I remember when we moved down to Tennessee, you know, in New Hampshire, I don't recall ever uh, saying uh, yes, sir, and, and yes, ma'am. You know, we just said yes or no, right? You come to Tennessee, it's yes, sir, and yes, ma'am. And like, OK, fine. That's, you know, that's kind of the tradition in this area. Right. It's not really a worldwide tradition, but in this area, it's a tradition uh, that we say, yes, sir. And uh, do you do I have a problem with that? No. I mean, it shows honor to the people. Right. If that's how the tradition of this area uh, chooses to honor those that are older than them. Perfectly fine. But I, I remember hearing people, I ain't saying yes, sir. and Yes, ma'am. To nobody, you know, uh, uh, and it's like. Wow, your freedom is a cloak of maliciousness, right? Because you've got malicious intent towards people that you should honor. Uh, and, um, you know, I, you know I'm, I'm teaching a class as a professor at the, at the local college here. And, um, um, you know, I don't have a big class, but uh, I'm still amazed at how many of them show dishonor to me as a, as a professor. Now, many of them show honor as, as you would normally expect. But some of them would talk to me, and I think, I can't imagine ever talking to my professor the way you're talking to me. I can't ever imagine talking to an adult the way that this child before me is talking to me, right? Uh, I don't care. You know, the, 
hurt my feelings, right? It's, it's on them. I mean, it's their loss, right? But it's at a Christian school. If any place you should show honor would be in Christian schools, right? Maybe they weren't raised right as a child. I don't know. Maybe I need to talk to their mom. But um, honor how many men? All men. You know, if we would show, you know, my, my goal is to always show honor to everybody. Uh, regardless of what position in life they hold. Regardless of what their income level, regardless of what their language is, regardless of what their color is. My goal is to honor everybody. Amen? And uh, because why? Because my Bible says to do that. And it, so it's no, it's no reflection on me that I'm diminished because I choose to show somebody else honor. Now, some people think, well, because I show them honor, then they can get one over on me. Whatever. I don't care. I'm going to do what the word says, right? Uh, and they think it diminishes me by showing honor to somebody else. I don't care. That's what my Bible says to do. I'm gonna, if my Bible says to do that, then I can do that. And, if there, and to me, see, if there's resistance in my heart, well, I'm not going to show them any honor. Then it doesn't say honor all men as long as they are worthy of your honor. Amen? Uh, and, and so, see, a lot of people think, well, honor is earned. No, honor is required of you, right? It's not earned. Now, trust is earned, right? Uh, can I trust you to be honest? Can I trust you to do things? Trust is earned, right? That's something that, by its nature, it has to be earned because I don't know you yet, right? And, uh, you know, just like uh, someone, I was talking to someone the other day, and somebody had questioned what they were doing, and they got all mad. Well, you know, I know they don't know me, but they should, you know, that was a stupid question. And I'm thinking, but, well, you're missing a point because you haven't earned their trust yet. Once you do it three or four times, see, then you've earned their trust. Now, you know, but see, it's honor. I could still honor, even if I don't know you, I can still honor you, right? Um, I can honor you, number one, as a human being, as a potential child of God. You know, and if you hold a position, I can honor you in that position, you know? I mean, if uh, President Biden came to, came to Dayton, Tennessee and knocked on the door of the church, hey, would you mind if I'd come visit your church? Praise God, have a seat right there. Uh, in fact, uh, you know, I'd prefer that you sit up front. We'll put a little reserve sign there for you. You can certainly reserve seating. I ain't going to honor no president you know, like that, you know? You know, he kills babies. I mean, Whatever. I mean, if you agree with him or disagree with him, but you can still honor him because is there any footnote in this verse? Does it say honor all men as long as you agree with them entirely in their political realm, agree with them in their spiritual realm, agree with them in the natural realm? Any limits to that? No. Doesn't say accept everything they believe. Doesn't say agree with everything they think. It says you can honor them. Amen. And if we would just honor everybody, all this fussing and fighting going on, you know, I mean, uh, you know, uh, I know when uh, President Trump was a president, you know, you can agree with him, disagree with him, right? He sure was colorful, right? Uh, but, I mean, the worst things were said about that man. I mean, I've never heard more hatred. Now, I understand, you know, I mean, he sure knew how to push every button in the world, right? He'd just tweet out something and, and half the, the country would burst into flames, right? Uh, and and um, uh, so, I mean, you can disagree with his tweets, I mean, I know, I know people that vote like me that didn't like President Trump, right? I know people that, that don't vote like me, you know, didn't like President Trump. Uh, he's still President Trump, right? I mean, as far as I'm concerned, he's still President Trump. Uh, and, but the hatred, I mean, so much hatred that was extolled towards that individual. Uh, and, I mean, he said some tweets. I never, I never really, I mean, again, it's not that I agree with him, disagree with him. It's just I never have understood why there was, the level of hatred was so strong against him because 
the man tweeted things. I know he was childish, you know, many times, but it was hard not to laugh about most of those things because it's so uh, over the top, right? Uh, so honor all men. That would include President Trump, right? Uh, love the brotherhood. You know, it's okay to love each other's Christians, right? I love Christians. Don't you love Christians? I love Christians. Love the brotherhood. That's what you're talking about. Love Christians, you know? Uh, you know, uh, it, I mean, if you're, if you're, you know, the frozen chosen, if you're the first uh, member of the first church of doubt, doubt and unbelief, I love you all, right? I mean, if you profess Jesus as, as your Lord, man, we're good, right? Now, if you get up there and lie on Jesus all the time, but he killed you and stole your mama and killed your daughter and what I mean, you're going to strain the relationship there a little bit because I'm going to have a hard time with that. Uh, and, and some people do that. But, but in general, man, I, I love them all, you know. Just because we disagree on the Bible, you know, I mean, if you agree that we're going to heaven and Jesus is our Lord, man, we're good, right? We get the basics there. And, and what, 99% of all Christians believe that, right? Uh, uh, Jesus is the only way. And, and Okay, so we disagree on healing. We disagree on speaking in tongues. Disagree on miracles, you know. Uh, come around here, we'll get you fixed. I know, but still, you know, we can disagree on that. And I'm not going to be bent out of shape. But, I mean, so many people, they find out, uh, uh, you know, uh, where you go to church? What kind of church do you guys have? And you tell them, like, like, oh, you're one of those, right? And then that big, long, you know, uh, I'm better than you nose comes out, right? And I'm thinking, you know, I'd much rather be healed and prosperous and happy every day than stuffy and dying like you are, you know? I mean, you can be whatever fancy person you are. I ain't mad at you, uh, but um, I'd take my, you know, they look down, uh, many, many people look down upon the Pentecostal church as we're ignorant, you know, unlearned men, kind of like Peter and John, right? Uh, and um, I'd much rather keep the company of Peter and John, wouldn't you, right? Uh, they raise the dead. Um, pretty good company to be with, right? But I love the brethren. I love the Christians, right? Don't care where you go to church. Don't care what kind of church you go to. I love you. Fear God. Honor the king. There you go. Honor. So he called out honor all men. The beginning of the verse, the end of the verse, he reminds you. And, and that, that includes the king, by the way, right? Well, I ain't honoring that man. Honor the king. Any footnotes? No footnotes. Any restrictions? No restrictions. Amen. Doesn't say you got to agree with him. Doesn't say you got to obey every single thing he's ever said. Just says um, honor him, right? Servants, be subject to the masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the froward, right? Uh, and, of course, we don't have servants today, but we do have employees, right? Employees, be subject to those that are over you with all fear, not only to the good bosses, right, but also to the froward, those who, who are cross and angry and, and, and not right. Um, you ever had a boss that was cross and angry and not right? I think by law you're required to at least have one, right? Uh, and, um, you know, uh, is a day a good day or bad day for the boss? You know, a bad day, you come back tomorrow, right? Uh, we've all had bad bosses, right? We've all had uh, terrible bosses. I mean, you know, I've had some bad bosses, but mine all pale in comparison to all the ones Chris have had. You know, she, she's had some world-class bad bosses, right? I mean, you know, they should get like a Nobel Prize for being a bad boss, as bad as they were. Uh, and, uh, but uh, it says, with all fear. In other words, do it, uh, do right by them, right? Again, you do right until they cross the line. And I've, you know, I've only had one boss that ever told me to go, he told me to go lie to the accounting department. Sorry, can't do that. Well, you know, well, you better do it or you're going to fire you. Fire him? I don't care. The Lord's my keeper, not, not this person right here, right? And he's the one who told me, well, good guys finish last. Nope, you're wrong. You know, and then he got doubly mad because I just, 
And it wasn't I was trying to stand up to him. It just, it just comes out. You tell me something stupid like that. I'm sorry, that's the stupidest thing I've heard. You know, good guys don't finish last. We finish at the top. We're already at the top. So we start at the top. We live at the top, and we're going to finish at the top, right? Well, no, there's make, working our way up to the top. I'm already there, right? I'm not, I'm not st- starting at the bottom, working my way up the ladder like the corporate world. I started at the top the day I got born again. Uh, and so, uh, so good bosses, bad bosses, still got to honor them, right? Uh, that would help a lot of people right there too, right? Well, I can't stand my boss, you know. You know, I remember we had some people come to church here years ago, and uh, they came from some other church. And, and, and I was just, they weren't talking to me. They were just talking to each other. And I was just kind of listening in on it. And they were just running down to some other pastor, you know. And I'm thinking, if they're saying that about him, what do you think they're going to say about me when they don't like me? They're going to say the same thing, right? You know, you should honor your pastor if you agree with everything he says. You should honor your pastor if you don't agree with everything he says. If you're here in this church, you should honor your pastor, right? I mean, I, you know, my pastor was Pastor Vaughn. He's been gone now for 14, yeah, 14 years. He still is Pastor Vaughn. He is never Kenny to me. He will be Pastor When I see him, when I get to heaven, he will be Pastor Vaughn. I, you know, unless the Lord Jesus comes to me, you will call him Kenny. I, you know, I can't do it. He's Pastor Vaughn to me. And he's always been Pastor Vaughn to me. Um, uh, and so he said, uh, for this is thankworthy. Uh, so what's thank, thankworthy? He said, if a man for conscience sake toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully, so, um, so if you're if you're uh, if you have conscience toward God, this is what I should do. And somebody says, "I'm going to persecute you because you're doing that, or because you believe that, or because you say that." And and Peter said, through the uh, by the Spirit of God, this is thankworthy. So if you're doing something that other people don't like, and as far as you know, it's godly then uh, somebody may not like that and they may persecute you. You know, there was a fellow by the name of Howard Carter back in World War II, and um, they had what you call, remember uh, the word conscientious objectors? You know, for him, he could not go to war and shoot another human being. He couldn't do it, right? Uh, and if you go, you know, during the war, you got, you got uh, drafted, you had to go shoot somebody, right? Or support somebody who shot somebody, you know, or, or give somebody the ammo who's going to shoot somebody, right? So somehow you're shooting somebody. And he couldn't do it. They threw him in prison in England, right? Uh, threw him in prison. And he wrote some of the best books when he was in prison, right? Uh, he wrote one about the gifts of the Spirit, you know, one of the best books ever about the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, and so, so he, did he suffer? He did, right? Uh, he said suffered wrongfully. Did he do anything from God's perspective that would require suffering? All right? I mean, as far as judgment, No. You just said, I don't want to shoot anybody, right? And um, they should have just let him be. But see, he wasn't a pastor. He was a minister, right? Uh, and so, do you have a question? Or are you just stretching your arms there? What's that? Yep. That's right. You know, now, and that's a good point because if you're going to do right, see, some people will do right, and, and I think we'll end up talking about some of that. Uh, they'll do right until somebody disagrees with them and then they'll cave, right? And then so, uh, because they don't, they don't want the pressure, right? They don't want the conflict. They don't want the shame of being arrested. I mean, he was arrested, thrown in prison with murderers and rapists and drug dealers and all kinds of people like that. And, 
and um, still stayed with the Lord, right? So he suffered wrongfully for conscience sake, right? So, uh, and then, uh, of course, he keeps on doing, so this whole section is from, from Peter, right? So um, now the suffering for conscience sake, uh, we're all going to do that. You're just going to have to get it, uh, be okay with it, right? Because uh, if your desire is to do right, somebody will not like it, right? Somebody will not be happy because you do right. Uh, and uh, are you willing to suffer the consequences of doing that, right? Because Peter said you're going to suffer. It's wrongful, but you're still going to suffer, right? So the question for us as Christians, are we willing to do that? Now, I'm not looking for it, right? Some people are always looking for the fight. They're always looking for, you know, they're going to go intentionally poke the bear or go do something like that to stir something up. Well, Howard Carter was just... You know, he just wanted to write his books and go preach every now and then. But, you know, because he wasn't a pastor, you know, most countries recognize the pastor's role, but they don't really recognize traveling ministers, right? So he was really a traveling minister, traveling teacher, and they didn't really recognize that. So, so uh, all of us will have to endure this, right? Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to pay the price, right? Now, there, there always is blessings from the Lord. He will always bless us for doing that because it's, a, it's remember what Jesus did? He learned obedience by the things which he suffered. All blessings from the Lord come on the backside of obedience. So, uh, so when the Lord would prompt Jesus to say something, uh, how many times did the Pharisees just uh, uh, excoriate him for what he said? How dare you say that? You know, I can't believe you said that. Uh, did he know they were going to? Many times he knew they were going to do that, and yet he had to ask the question: Is it worth doing that? Is it worth saying this thing, even though I know it's going to cause me grief? See, a lot of people would, would hold their tongue, right? I remember years ago, uh, we were working uh, at the church with my pastor, and uh, they wanted to run a new snake from the, you know, there's a snake which bundle of wires that runs from the soundboard to the stage, right? I mean, you can't see it right now. It's, we keep it hidden because you want to keep snakes hidden, right? And so it's, uh, but it's, it comes down the corner over there, and it's where all the other plugs plug into, right? And they go back to the soundboard. We run the sound. Uh, and so... If you're going to run a snake uh, in a building, then you've got some general principles. Number one, don't run them over electrical wires, right? Number two, surely don't run them over fluorescent lights because they hum. And that hum will get in that wire and you'll have a hum in the system. Well, that's just kind of normal. If you know anything about sound, you know that. But if you don't know anything about sound, straight line, you know, well, you're going to cross one, two, three lights there and you know there's an electric box right there and an electric box right here so i mean you could run over all the lights and all the electrical wires and then when you turn everything on it goes boom, you hear a hum sound so they're running it now they didn't ask me you know i've been running sound for a decade you know at least did they ask the sound man how they ought to run it no you know if somebody knows more than you it's okay to ask him right it's it's perfectly fine right uh, and, and I mean, Johnny's forgotten more than I know, you know, and so I'd go ask Johnny about stuff every now and then. Hey, Johnny, you know, how do you do with this thing right here? Uh, I've got a degree in engineering, but he still knows more than I do, you know, uh, because uh, he's, he's been around longer than I am and done more things than I have. So, um, so I, had to, I had to make a decision. What do I do? Now, see, the people that were doing it, they were kind of people, if you ever say anything to them, I mean, how dare you, right? And I knew they were the kind of people that would do that. But my, my responsibility was to be the sound man. My responsibility was, was to provide the best sound for my pastor that I possibly could. And, and, if, and if I have a, a hum in the system, then I can't do my job, right? And so I had to make a decision. 
say something and get grief or don't say something and just let it go and just mess up the sound, right? So, I, of course, I chose the best option, the, the option that was best for my responsibility. And so I'm, and I just, just as gentle and as kind and as quiet as I could say, no, I didn't, you know, there was a bunch of people working that day. I didn't tell, hey, everybody, they're doing it wrong. You know, of course, I didn't do that. I just said, hey, guys, you might want to uh, not run the snake over all those, those lights there because you're going to put a hum in the system and then we won't be able to get it out. Because once you get it, then you can't get it out, right? You'd have to move the snake, right? Uh, and, and you would have thought that I had gone home and slapped their mama. I mean, they just took a deep breath and just as loud as they could. Oh, there he goes again. He thinks he knows everything. He thinks he's smarter than everybody else. Nobody else knows anything except for him. And I'm thinking, well, I don't know if that's true or not, but I know you don't know that, you know. Uh, and so, you know, I didn't, I didn't say that, but the thought did cross my mind, you know. Uh, well, yeah, you're just proving my point right there, right? So, I mean, it was a minor amount of suffering, but still, everybody in the church, as far as they know, I was lording it over them and trying to show how much I knew and how stupid they were. Is that what I was trying to do? No, for conscience sake, because my conscience said, my spirit man said, you make sure you do that right. That's your job. You've got to make sure it's done right. Even if they don't ask you, it's still your job, right? And so uh, how many times has it ever happened to me? I can't tell you how many times. I said, you go say something, and it did not turn out well. <laughs> and so, uh, but, you know, you still got to do it. Now, you, I always check my heart. Lord, are you sure? You know, because, I mean, I don't want to just go up and say, hey, you know, you're dumb as a brick, right? Yeah, I mean, you want to say that. But if the Lord said to go do that, you know, you got to do it. Now, how many times have people said the Lord said to go do something and he never sent them, right? So, I mean, there's also that thing right there, right? But, you know, at the end of the day, they moved the snake, no hums, all was well, right? And they did what they were supposed to do after I asked them to do that. So, uh, so we'll finish up there. We'll, we'll pick up next week because the next uh, couple verses really get us some good, some good discussions there. So, uh, so we, we want to make sure that we understand what kind of suffering. So we do know right here that for conscience sake, if you do what's right, as far, now see, that's conscience sake, so that doesn't limit it to just the word of God, right? Uh, that also means if your heart tells you you can't do something, then you can't do it. You know, and, and I was with my pastor for 20 years. And my pastor was kind of the person that if he told you to do something, he expected that right there right jump you know and you know as, as a member of that church you know in essence i was required to do that because didn't he say that you know whether you got good servants or good masters or bad masters right doesn't matter you still got to do it uh, but in the 20 years i was with him there was a few times a handful i can you know not more than one handful but a handful of times that he told me to do something and my spirit man was like i can't do that so what'd you do i didn't do it any grief oh there was so much grief you know, that's a lot of reasons why he would call me out from the pulpit. You know, Chip Brothers want to take over the ministry or, you know, uh, whatever. He would say, you know, just different things. But the, the root of it was I was unwilling to do everything he said without questioning my heart first. Because uh, I'd learned over the years, no matter what he asks me to do, before it's done, I've got to say, is it okay if I do that? And if the answer is yes, fine, I do it. If the answer is no, I'm not doing it. I don't care if it's a pastor, the king, the president, Grand Poobah. It doesn't matter who it is. If my conscience won't let me do it, the answer is no. And, and I'm glad to live that way because I'm happy. I can go to bed at night at sleep because if I, if I disobey the Lord to obey a man, 
how's that going to work out for you, right? So for conscience sake, right? So which is always the founded on the word of God, but also includes what the spirit of God is telling you to do, right? Uh, and so you always check your own heart. If your heart won't let you do it, then the answer is no. doesn't matter if I ask you to do it. The president, the governor, the, the mayor, how many people have gotten into trouble? They asked me to do it. I have to do it. You know, I could lose my job if I don't do that. You know, some of the worst grief that I experienced in all the years with my pastor, people came up to me and apologized, said, I was just doing what I was told. How many evil deeds have been done because they were just doing what they were told in the church, right? They were in the church. They caused me so much grief over so many years, publicly lied on me, did all kinds of things against me. And their excuse was, I was just doing what I was told. You know, Old Testament might get away with that. New Testament won't ever fly because who lives on the inside of you? The Holy Spirit. Do you reckon the Holy Spirit's ever told you to do something that's not right? Never will, never has, uh, never going to happen, right? And so every single time they just did what they were told that violated the word of God, the spirit man said, don't do that. The Holy Spirit said, don't do that. And yet they did that. And they thought they were okay because they were obedient to a man. But I'm not really obedient to any man. I'm obedient to God, which then allows me to be obedient to man. Uh, And so that if I always obey God first, and if the man lines up with the God, man, we're good. The man doesn't line up with the God, no problem. Not going to happen, right? Uh, And if we could live that way, See, everything's really easy, right? Uh, then it's not like, well, I just don't like them. I'm not going to do what they say because I don't like that boss. Well, then you are way out of line with the word of God, amen? Uh, and so, so because uh, remember what Jesus it said, uh, he, uh, back up in verse, uh, Hebrews 5, 8, he learned obedience by the things which he suffered, right? Which means he was highly blessed because of, of the things that he did, amen? And, and as a result, he, be, he was made perfect. So if you want to grow up in the Lord, you've got to learn how to obey, number one, always uh, the Lord God himself, right? So we'll pick up uh, there in 1 Peter. Because uh, th- to me, this is a really great message because it, it, we, we can get things in line and we can get rid of a lot of suffering that we go through that we don't have to, amen? And then, and then we can also learn how to, how to be steady and strong in the midst of suffering when we know well, that's because I'm obeying God. And then I'm, gonna, I'm not going to quit. I'm going to keep on going. Amen. Uh, uh, and so hopefully that encourages us to follow God at whatever the cost. Right. No matter how much it costs, follow God. Amen. Uh, and and so, so we'll find out what, what all that says. So let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So, Father, we thank you for your word. And, Father, we thank you uh, that um, Jesus was our great example. Father, that we follow the example of him to lend obedience by the things which we suffer. And so, uh, Lord, as we go through what your word says, we thank you that you reveal to us and show us areas that, uh, that we can't change, that suffering may come as a, as a result of our actions. But Father, we want to find out what those are and, and not look for suffering, Father. But if it comes for conscience sake, uh, we'll not avoid it, Father. We will not change our um, uh, character in order to avoid that. And so we thank you for that, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, praise God. Well, let's get ready to receive this evening's offering. You know, one of the things that I observed about certain people over the years, you know, a lot of it's got to do with your character, your personality, how you're raised, you know, kind of your thought life and, pers- and, and uh, philosophy of life. Come ahead, Mr. Jared. And some people uh, are very um, uh, resistant to any kind of fl- conflict, right? They hate conflict. They don't like any kind of conflict. 
and they'd rather have peace. Well, should we desire peace? Absolutely, we should desire peace among each other, right? But sometimes people would rather have peace with you than do what's right, right? Some people, sometimes people would rather have peace with, um, uh, with uh, somebody who is wrong than to, than to uh, confront them and say, well, I can't do that, you know? Uh, and a lot of times they will violate their conscience, they'll violate the word of God, uh, and so, and we'll talk maybe more about that next week, but uh, my number one goal is not peace. My number one goal is obedience, right? And hopefully peace is a result of that. Uh, but sometimes, uh, sometimes people will not be at peace with you if you don't do what's right, if you don't do what they say. And that's unfortunate, but it's going to happen, right? I have lost a lot of friendships over the years because of that. I have lost some, or had conflict as a result of my actions to, to follow the word of God, follow the will of God. Uh, I can't change that, right? Don't desire to change it. You know, not trying to look for it. Not trying to desire conflict. But um, I'm going to follow God for, and follow my conscience, and all will be well. Because I know if I do right, man, I'm good, right? Jesus was perfected as a result of His obedience. Amen. Don't you want to be perfected? That's where all the blessings are at, in, in the obedience of perfection. Amen. All right. So be blessed. Have a wonderful week, of the Lord, and we'll see you for Mexican food on Sunday, right? <laughs>